TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Stories of that game and what happened in the clubhouse is fantastic. There's no game that can bleep you like this one. <laughs> it's Royce on baseball. Let's go. Show Patrick Gracie on baseball. He's Patrick Gracie. I'm Derek Wetmore along for the ride. Pat, are you all in on this Michael Jordan documentary? No, I have got I have zero interest. Okay. Now, if if it was two hours, I'd watch it. Sure. I'm not hanging in there for ten hours. <laughs> uh, if Ken Burns, if, if Ken Burns is doing it, I'll watch it. If sure. He's not doing it. I'm not spending ten hours. You know some of these. I said that on Twitter yesterday that I wasn't watching it, even though I do admit he's the third best basketball player of all time behind Will Chamberlain and LeBron James. Wow! And just just ahead of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, I, I would rate him third. So I'm certainly interested in him, but uh, the the only segment I would like to watch is how they try to sugarcoat him going out and making a jackass of himself trying to play baseball. I saw him. He wouldn't have hit seventh for the Meesville Mudheads. That was one of the – I went down to Birmingham and saw him play a game. That's one of the worst swings I've ever seen in the minor leagues. And uh, what, what went through his mind to create that? Uh, obviously, there was something going on with the NBA and uh, his gambling and that stuff when they decided to take a year. But, I mean, it, talk about a insanity – he had no chance. Who would have possibly told him he had a chance? It was one of the worst swings you've ever seen, Derek. Well, you and I, I just similarly interested in this Michael Jordan doc. I guess I was I was surprised to hear. I thought you'd be looking for some sports fillers, some substitutes. Oh, you know what? I'm shocked myself. I got uh, I got five or six actions for this week, and none of them include the NFL draft. So I'm uh, <laughs> I'm staying ahead of the game so far, but. Uh, uh, you know, that, uh, give us two more months and we'll be crawling and maybe watching the replay of the Michael Jordan, uh, hey, you know, writing something like, hey, did you guys hear about this Michael Jordan? <laughs> anyway, no, I do not share the excitement, but I never, you know, he was a great player. I got to see him, uh, I was there with Tom on the first national championship and, uh, you know, he was, you know, the best player on a fabulous team. No doubt about it, although if he'd been, you know, anywhere else, he would have averaged 30 instead of 18 or whatever it was. But uh, I've never found him to be that fascinating of a character. But I guess if you're all into the shoe thing and the apparel revolution and the Nike revolution that he started, then he he becomes a phenomenal figure in in American history, in American sports history, because, uh, you know, he's the guy that took shoes from – 50 bucks to 300, right? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's in that, in that area, he's certainly a fantastic. And he was a great player. I went down and saw him. He finally got good. I think it had to be in the old place. And they, he uh, did me a favor that night. Uh, he got 50 some that night wow. when I was down there. So, uh, that was, uh, that was uh, kind of fun too. I, uh, I, uh, you know, I, Myron was a basketball player. I think he was a kind of a, I think he's kind of a bad guy. A horrible NFL, NBA executive. He kept, uh, you know, he went down to Charlotte and he basically wanted to spend other people's money and uh, to uh, and not take that much interest in the team. 
But anyway, I can guarantee you, he would not have been an all-star in the Dakota Rice-Scott League as a baseball player. <laughs> he would not have been. He would have, been, he would have hit sixth on Reaver's team sure. in football. That was brutal. Go Lakers. It was brutal. He could not hit. Tebow looks like Ted Williams at the point. Yeah. At the point. Well, and so in my search for substitutes, Pat, I've I've looked overseas and tried to find uh, Japan wanted to start their baseball league up April 24th. The latest out of that league is that that ain't going to happen anymore. No, uh, because they had a little uh, they had a little uh, comeback, right? Yeah. And so Japan had originally said that they were going to start. I think it was April 20th they wanted opening, or April 10th, excuse me. And then they bumped that back to April 24th. And now this latest bump back is indefinite. They're not going to try to pick another time and blow past that on the calendar. The KBO also wants to get going on it, Korea's top professional baseball league. And I just, uh, I don't know, Pat, I've been I've been more curious about the news updates of when we might start Major League Baseball again than I have about some of these uh, leagues that might get going sooner. Well, a lot of people have congratulated uh, uh, Korea for they had how for how they immediately handled the virus, blah blah blah. But I don't think they have it under control either. From when you see the numbers, they you know they this thing uh, this thing's pretty damn resilient. It, uh, they you think they think they got around to run and then it, it pops back up. So I don't know. Uh, we were talking before we went on the air here, and you were telling me that about the people talking about getting ready to stream the KBO and uh, Chinese Taipei, right? Taiwan's playing. Yep, they're started up. They're playing, and uh, they, are they playing without fans? I, I don't know. Are they playing without oh, fans? Yeah. Yep. I, think, I think they are playing yeah. without fans. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you on the KBO. If it was going to be free and live overnight on MLB Network and one hole was playing, I might watch a couple of at-bats, but the other I'm not really into uh into these uh, substitutes, that's for sure. Yeah, it's hard for me because, uh, you know, a number of my friends are into video games or people simulating a season and figuring out, you know, what could happen in this computer model of it. And it's just, I, I want to be interested in those things. I want to have something like that, and they just don't hold my attention. You know, when they convince me that I'm not going to watch computer models, when they, the first computer model that I saw for the NCAA basketball tournament, yes, had Wisconsin winning. <laughs> when I saw they could beat, if they weren't in a mediocre, lousy Big Ten, which is the most overrated conference ever, they they were those mediocres to be there. They're just this much above terrible, and they had them win in the NCAA tournament. I said, I'm not looking at any of these ever again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, yeah, but these computer models, and now if you want to do the virtual auto racing and stuff, and you know, I would have ever guessed that virtual auto racing could end the career of somebody, but it did Kyle Larson and yeah. NASCAR with the uh, with the with the most uh, offensive of. Uh, of uh, quick little American slurs there that pretty much took care of him. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if if you're into that, I can see people watching it, but not not it can't be treated as if it's competition. Sure. Know, and you know, the Twins are even or Major League Baseball, I should say, is picked a player from each team, and their 
playing against each other with a color commentator playing the video game MLB The Show. And Trevor May, I think, is one of the most entertaining guys I've ever covered, and that's his, like, other very deep Mm -hmm. interest, professional baseball and professional gaming. And I watch it for a little bit just to kind of check in on him and that, but I, I'm not going to watch a you know a nine inning game of a video game being commentated. Uh, it's I, like I say, but, uh, Pat, I want to be interested. I don't, I don't want to be interested, yeah. but I think that, <laughs> but I think that he can't play in the uh, because you know all the leagues are trying to make an effort, and there's, I mean, there's video gamers. It's twenty percent of your young audience, twenty five maybe, are into this stuff. Sure. And you can't blame them for doing. They were going to do, do, do and reach out in this in these areas. Uh, you know, I mean, the Timberwolves have their team. We're the world champions of the Timberwolves, whatever that league. And is. Don't you forget. And, uh, and the Vikings are uh, the Vikings are they, they got a whole thing going. They paid what was it two hundred fifty thousand to be in the league? Or is that what it was? Thing? Wow. I think no, 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 no. Two. Twenty-five million. Twenty-five million. They paid for a franchise. Twenty-five. Holy million cow! To be in the, in this franchise, you know, in, in this league. So I mean, they're, everybody's making an effort. You know, this is not strictly pandemic-driven. Sure. I, I I don't blame teams for trying. No, no, no. They can't expect seventy-four-year-old <laughs> fat guys to give a damn. You know, it's not or, the demo. We don't give a damn. We want to watch a ball game. As yeah. I said the other day, I'll take any ball game. Orioles, Tigers. I'll take the Orioles and the Tigers. That's Let's right. Come on. You won't catch me complaining about a bad baseball game in the middle of June any for any time soon, Pat. Um, you know what I don't like? Do? I don't like the idea that if they do it, if they come back, they're going to do it all in Arizona. I was, you know, the more and more I, I thought about it, those little five-team grapefruit league. Brackets would have been kind of fun as an alternative, you know. Yeah. Having the five teams and you know like that would have been, would have been sort of fun. But uh, I don't. They, they, here's the problem: none of us know where we're going to be in three weeks. So That's right. It's all it's all speculative. We don't know if in in three. You know, there's, there's this tremendous political pressure. If they start letting people go shopping, right? You know. Go back if they reopen the malls and we're all wandering around the malls on Saturday. Okay, let's have ball games with a limited number of people. You know, if you're, you know, let your half your, you know, let ten thousand people in the ballpark and say, uh, you know, it's a little size ballpark and tell them that they gotta sit, you know, six feet apart or something. And the only trouble with wearing making everybody wear masks is how do you drink a beer? Yeah. You know, eat a nacho. Can you, can you get can you get a waiver on when you're eating and drinking? You don't need your mask. But the rest oh, of the time you're well, and that's just it, Pat. You start letting people into the ballpark, and now you're talking about shared like common surfaces and all this. And I'm no uh, I'm no virologist or whatever the term is, but it seems like there's not really a safe way to do that just yet. I don't think if we wait. Okay, if we wait until this thing. Is is killed? No season. Completely. We're no season. We won't be doing anything till 2024. <laughs> you know, if we wait for this thing to be dead and gone and uh, nobody nobody get that, I I I just yeah, I hear you. I think we I think we're trending towards uh, because of the political pressure and stuff, uh, and uh, you know uh, you know Tim Walls is. Uh, 
ridden this uh, thing pretty well to this point as far as reaching the public, but I think is I think the whole the political hold on the public is being lost, and uh, within a couple of weeks, uh, we're going to start opening stuff up, but it's going to be more than golf courses, and then we're going to seriously talk about having baseball because of political pressure. It's not going to be when we got full control of uh, yeah. of this virus because we're not going to have full Well, they opened uh, golf courses over the weekend in Minnesota, Pat, so that seemed like a sign of progress to a lot of us. I went to, I drove up to Fox Hollow uh, Saturday afternoon. I just wanted to take a drive, so I drove up there. This is at 3.40, so usually on a Saturday, it should be kind of calming down by Saturday. Uh, at that time on a Saturday, there were still a lot of cars in the parking lot. Now they were also, I think people were coming by twos rather than fours, you know, like they do, uh, as far as dreaming together. And, uh, there were a hundred cars, they had tea times till dang near six o'clock. Wow. People were, uh, they had tea times all weekend. I stopped at another place, but it was this way all over the Twin Cities. Every golf course was jammed. So, uh, yeah, I mean, but they were, like they said, don't show up till 20 minutes before your tea time. Leave immediately afterwards. The bars and, uh, you know, they didn't have people out there selling refreshments on that golf course. They didn't have the bars and the restaurants open, the clubhouse. But, uh, you know, they had families out there playing golf. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was, uh, people were looking for a reason to be outside, I'll tell you that. Yep, same at the uh, Chain of Lakes for the bike ride over the weekend a lot of people were out there and some of even the parkways around it were closed to car traffic just to sort of uh i think give a little bit more space for social distancing while you're exercising out there um but, but i'm with you i'm not waiting uh to uh pay 40 dollars to buy the kbo on our streaming service. yeah that subscription's not going to be on your next credit card bill but, uh, no no um uh, here's let me say this about Baseball, I, I, I heard pretty good discussion on, uh, on, uh, MLB Network about what's going on here as baseball is talking to the players about if we come back, you're going to have to, it's going to have to be all based on how salaries are going to have to be based on how much money we're bringing in, you know. In other words, you know, Mike Trout ain't getting 35 mil, uh, it's going to be on what we're bringing in. And I would think that if baseball can come up with this system to return with empty stadiums, they, they obviously, the players are going to probably have to settle for, what, 50% if they're lucky. But uh, there has to be, baseball has to put some financial value, even if they're taking a little bit of a thump here, you know, and, Beyond the TV money, you know, without anything beyond the TV money, you're going to have to put a monetary value on just playing and getting the game back out in front of people. So uh, if each team ends up losing 25, 30 million when they start playing again because they don't have fans in the stands, I mean, that's the bottom line, the actual losses, not just, you know, what they can do with the books. That's, I think that'll be worth it. Don't you? Yeah, you mean you're saying take take the hit, take a financial take loss. Take a hit. Take a hit. Yep. Take the whole hit. Sure. But 
can't, it can't get hit in order to get the game back out in front of the public. And I wonder if the same isn't true for players, Pat. I, I think from a player perspective, if you're playing the games, you feel like you deserve what you signed up for, especially if it's under more trying circumstances. But if you're going to take a loss and the trade-off is, hey, you know, we're back at the center of the national attention, you know, hopefully try to grow the game and at least weather this storm through the pandemic, that if you're a baseball player who's under contract, that might be an appealing option, too, even if you have to take a haircut. Yeah, who knows if is, and, uh, you know, you're of his age, and you can still make $6 million instead of 12. Uh, but you gotta, you know, you have 100 games or 90 games to prove that you can still hit so you can get a contract for next year. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, certainly, uh, it's, it's the benefit of everybody, and, uh, they, they just they, they can't go expect they're going to go down there and have the players stay in hotels and just stay in the hotel and immediately bus back and forth. They're going to have to. Uh, the, the, the players are going to have to be allowed to make decisions on their families and on uh, you know on their families and on how much they want to get out in public and stuff like that. They're going to have to be allowed to make their own decisions. I think so. Yeah, and you know in the first presentation of that pat they were talking about just leaving your family for five months and i think we've heard a lot of blowback from that even just you know publicly and privately of like yeah i don't think that's gonna fly i I don't think the plan is perfect as it's constructed um and on that note too rob manfred said or there was an athletic report from ken rosenthal who said that uh, as we pre-tape this on monday that he's expected to say today that Come May 1st, this uh, required agreement that you pay all of your team employees and stuff, that's lifted. So on May 1st, apparently baseball teams can furlough or anything like that their employees. Now, some teams have already come out and said we're not doing that, at least through May. And I saw a tweet from Bob Nightingale over the weekend that said many teams are expected to follow suit there. But it is interesting that as baseball's economic pressure starts to build, Manfred has given this update that says, that's eh, okay. You don't have to take care of your people while you're not getting taken care of. Well, I mean, that's uh, I I I wonder how baseball could even have the authority to tell the Minnesota Twins who they, who they have to pay and who they don't. That's not on the field, you know. Uh, I, I I don't think Manfred. You know, Manfred has given them the okay. They didn't want baseball to stop paying people last month because it would be. I mean, this month because it would be a bad look. But I don't think, you know, I think if Jim Polad wanted to call up Manfred and say, or, you know, which he's not going to do, but if he wanted to call up Manfred and say, ah, it's not your daily work as to whether we pay our communications department or not. Yeah. That's not your decision, pal. I, you know, you're, these are independent businesses. These are not run out of a commissioner's office, in my opinion. Oh, to be a fly on the wall for that phone call. <laughs> I would imagine Jim's a little more animated in his work and at the plant phone calls than he is with what we uh, end Could up uh, seeing. Could be. Pat. Meanwhile, do we have any news on anybody? Is the Twins organization on anybody in the Twins organization? Uh, you know, I know they had the thing with Garber and Cruz a few, 10 days ago, but uh, it's been pretty much silence, hasn't it? Yeah, no, it's been well. Trevor May, the aforementioned video game tournament thing going on. We've we've heard from him. I've heard you know a couple interviews here or there, um, just kind of reaching out and stuff. But no, it's been from not just the Twins, but a lot of Major League Baseball as a whole. 
uh, largely quiet. I suppose that you can only ask him so many times how you hand how you handle in quarantine. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, that's true. But uh, there's uh, you know it it really this this whole thing is uh, you know the draft and the minor leaguers and how was how you know okay the uh, and all as uh, as Sid Hartman quoted Dave St. Peter. You know, uh, because of course it asked the question in his column Sunday, have you ever seen anything like this? <laughs> and Dave said no. And I theory has said, you've never seen anything like this. Yeah. That might be and true. you're a hundred. Yeah. hundred and you've never seen anything like this. How the hell would you expect Dave Z. Peter to have ever seen anything like this? It was in his 50s. Sid, you are not permitted to ask that question. <laughs> when no a hundred year old who has never seen anything like this can't ask anybody if they've ever seen anything like this, right? right. That's, That's off the board is a question. It's kinda like talk about, isn't it? It just gives you an opportunity <laughs> yeah. to bring it up. Hey Pat, well, talk about said, everybody Sid's talked about has had that quote. And I thought like, was well, Pete to say, no, no, I haven't said that. I, I, I missed the Spanish flu by decades. Hey, you gave me a great transition here, Pat. I wasn't going to do it like this because we have a favorite segment on this show now, Royce on Baseball. Uh, when Pat picks a former, a random Twins team from the past, and we talk about it. So, Pat, talk about a random Twins team from the past. The most forgotten great Twins team in history, the 1970 Twins. Now, 69, they are well-remembered in Twins lore because Billy Martin was the manager, right? And uh, they they had had a poor season in 1968. After the great race of 67, they had a poor season in 68. They brought in Billy. They uh, won 97 games, and they became the first-ever champions of the AL West, then got swept by Baltimore, and Billy got fired. But the 1970 team, actually, uh, you know, with a new manager building, everybody, you know, if you remember, if you talk to Twins old, old-timers old of my age, everybody remembers all the people who said they would never go to another game because Billy got fired. And there's some people who kept that vow. I mean, he was immensely popular. I guess we like miserable little drunks, but uh, that's uh, they love Billy. But the 1970 team, uh, Bill Rigney, who had managed the Minneapolis Millers in the 50s when he was with the uh, – when they were a Giants farm club, a New York Giants farm club. And then then he managed the California Angels. He was the first manager of the California Angels and had some amazing, like, 62, uh, the 62 Angels, their second every year, they were in the race for most of the summer. And, and then Rick, who was a very loquacious, friendly, outgoing guy, uh, was hired in 70, and that team went 98-64. and 64. They won the West easy, and uh, Rodney Carew got hurt. And, and I can't remember who slid into him, but they, he ended up having to have knee surgery and uh, got knocked out of the, out of the uh, lineup for that Twins team. He played 51 games. He was hitting 366. 
when he got hurt when he got hurt that year. But that team, Killebrew was forty one and one thirteen that year. Uh forty one homers, hundred and thirteen RBIs. That's a lot of RBIs back then. Tony was twenty three and one oh seven. Cesar Tober was the leadoff hitter. He scored hundred and twenty runs. Uh, that was a hellacious ball club. And uh Leo Cardenas had come in and even though his uh, batting average wasn't fantastic, he went 11 and uh, 65. He replaced Zoilo. They, they let Zoilo go a year or so earlier. And he went 11 and 65. He was a really great player for that Twins team. And Jim Perry won the Cy Young Award. Jim Perry, who, when he first came here, was a spot starter for years. He, he like, pitched. 60 to 50 games a year, 30 relief and 20 starts. He was the fifth starter in the four starter era. And, uh, Cott, I mean, he had a great year. Jim Perry was the, you know, the Cy Young Award winner, 24 and 12. Pitched 278 and two thirds innings. And, uh, he would give up some home runs, that guy. How many give up? He usually did. Yeah, he gave up 26. But he, uh, he, he, he walked 58 guys all year in 200 and, uh, you know, 278 innings. He threw it over. Cott was still good. And a uh, young Dutch lead-hander came up in uh, May. Uh, 20, uh, I think he was 20, 20 years old. Wow. Came up in May and was good, too. Uh, he was, uh, you know, 10-9 and 9 with a 3 one ERA, but 164 innings, and he was just a kid. He was, uh, I remember reading about him in spring trading, and Rigney was in love with him. Uh, and, uh, it was basically, Calvin was always going, oh, he's too young, he's too inexperienced. He was only a couple of years out of high school, basically. Mm. And then Rigney, somebody got hurt. I think Boswell and, uh, Boswell and Tion were supposed to be the fourth and fifth starters, and they both kind of broke down, and then they called up Burton. Uh, and the rest is, uh, history on there. But that team, you go back and look at that team. Also, the the closer Ron Paranowski, who they gotten in the, from the Dodgers, and he had 34 saves that year and pitched as a closer 111 innings. <laughs> and this was after Mock, you know, this was before Mock. Yeah. Of course, he pitched his closer one year 167 innings. Yeah. yeah. But Paranowski pitched 111. Wow. So this is. They weren't closers in 1970. That was not the term. They were stoppers. They called them stoppers back then. And so that meant if you were ahead three to two in the seventh inning with two on and one out, and you really wanted to win that game, they'd bring in Taranowski when he pitched two and two-thirds. And they, they that's the way they did it in the – 65 with Al Worthington, three innings or more as as the closer, and then the next day somebody else would have the duty. But uh, yeah, he had uh, he had 34 saves, and well, Stan Williams, who was a big right hand who was a hot shot uh, phenom for the Dodgers, who was going to be the next Drysdale, it never worked out that way. And the Twins got him along with Paranowski, and he had 15 saves that year, too. So mm. uh, they were – that team was good. They were good. And, of course, they, the Orioles were fantastic. Yeah. And uh, that might have been the Orioles team that won 108. I'm not sure. 
but uh, they ended up getting swept by the Orioles. So the, the 69 and 70 Twins were both really good, but the Orioles were at their zenith then, and uh, and they they swept them both times. Wow, yeah. Uh, Orioles won 108 still, games that year, Pat. Yeah, 108, yeah. yeah. Again, who are my turkeys? I remember the Orioles won 108 <laughs> games in 70 off the top of my head. If the cell wasn't in my hand, I couldn't find it. And sometimes you lose your readers on your forehead. <laughs> yes, I do. I've been known to do that. I've been known to walk all over with uh, with my glasses in my hand, saying, "Where the hell did I put those glasses?" You know, so unreal. But yeah, I thought I, I couldn't remember if it was the 108 team or not. But uh, that was a great Oriole team. Well, Pat, I always enjoy these, and I look forward to finding another random Twins team to hear Ricey talk about next you know, week. We've been talking about the good ones. I'll find you some really stinkers. Thank you much, Pat. We'll talk to you then. Okay. Goodbye. This has been a Score North Twin Show. Patrick Roycey on baseball. For Patrick Roycey, I'm Derek Wetmore. We'll talk to you next week. Planning for a secure future requires sound investment advice. That's why I rely on my guy, Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, for guidance in planning and maintaining a long-term financial strategy. This is Ricey, and I've known Josh for many years. I trust Josh and recommend him because he listens and delivers the kind of service that you'll need to feel confident about your financial future. I encourage you to get to know him the same way I did many years ago. Call Josh Arnold at 952 952- 925-5608 and set up your 48-minute no-obligation consultation. Call 952-925-5608. You'll always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. Call Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold at 952-925-5608. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Planning to buy a new boat this year? Glenn Perkins here from my friends at Nelson Marine. The Nelson Marine difference is about customer service and a knowledgeable team of sales and service pros. Two large showrooms filled with an impressive inventory of the best brands in the business. London Crestliner Fishing Boats, South Bay Pontoons powered by Yamaha, Suzuki, Mercury, and Evinrude. Nelson Marine has been creating happy customers for 75 years. Visit their showroom on Highway 61 in White Bear Lake online at nelsonmarine.biz. 